Jude, right there before the book of Revelation. Only 25 verses, but a lot of uh, truth in this, a lot of information that we can unpack, and we, uh, we have been trying to do so for the past couple weeks. But we are going to start reading there. In fact, we're only down to verse 5. Let's start at verse 1, just to kind of put everything into context here. And tonight, the title of my message is No Escaping God's Judgment. And I believe that is a point that Jude is trying to bring across here with the, some of the examples that he gives. And we'll, uh, we'll talk about it here in a moment. But let's begin reading there at verse 1. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. You know, I just thought came to my mind, when you read, oftentimes you'll see the, the disciples, the, the men that God used to write these letters, uh, they always call themselves a servant, a servant of Jesus Christ. What a great title. They didn't demand to be called reverend. Uh, they did not uh, demand to be called priest or um, most right reverend as uh, Jesse, what was his name? I can't even think of his name now. I knew you, yes, that's who I'm trying to think of. And uh, what I'm saying is sometimes people are passive, they're just so proud of their titles, but these men were just truly examples to us of just being a servant. They thought that was the greatest thing they could do. Our brother James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and, and reserved to Jesus, uh, preserved in Jesus Christ and called. These are the people that he's writing to. Uh, the, we, ne we don't know actually who these people are, but we do know about them that they were believers and the called, the preserved and um, the sanctified. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto these saints. And that's what we talked about last week, contending for the faith. And for there are certain men crept in unawares, and that's why we need to contend for the faith. That's why we need to know what we believe. There are certain men crept in unawares who are, are who were before uh, of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only God, Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance Though he once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness, unto the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah, and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Heavenly Father, once again, we just pray for wisdom here. Help me to preach this message, and, and may I do uh, what you would have me to do, say only what you would have me to say, and may thy spirit have full reign in our hearts tonight, for we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Exhorting his readers here, Jude, he says, uh, to contend earnestly for the faith there in verse 4. And then he introduces the reason. I know we talked about this last week. 
the reason to take such a stand, to contend for the faith, is because certain men, they've crept in unnoticed. I find this, this is happening today. People will come into churches and they will do this uh, almost, I was joking about uh, Robbie here being in disguise. He had the beard. Some of you didn't even know who that was. Uh, and, and yet, sometimes, that's how they'll do it. They'll come in, not like that, but they'll come in and they'll be talking the talk. They'll sound like, oh, this is one of, this guy really believes the Bible. And then somewhere down the road, they start unpacking some of these false doctrines and start teaching them. And that's why we have to always be on guard here. But, and so they, certain men have crept in unnoticed. They were, listen to this, ungodly men. Now, the Lord knows this. I can't, when I see people coming to church, I can say, oh my, there's an ungodly man. Oh, there's a fake. I don't know that. I don't know the heart, but God does. And so God's able to call it like it is. And so they are ungodly men, guilty of turning the grace of God into lewdness and denying the Lord God and Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and there's a lot of that going on today. Boy, they, they are turning the word of God into lewdness. They are changing it to fit their, their wicked lifestyles. And, and I'm so thankful that the Bible doesn't change, that the Lord Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that his Bible also is an unchanging book. I, I know a lot of people are rewriting it, changing it, as they are doing everything else. But I, I just don't, I'm not going to listen to somebody that doesn't even know the difference between a man and a woman, and uh, who is uh, really, in many cases, not saved at all. They're trying to make money in their, uh, you know, putting the, these different versions of the Bible together. So we have to be careful of that, because it does take away, and there's a warning of for us to add or to take away from the word of God. But that's not in Jude's message here. So Jude, he, he talks about these ungodly men, and that's why we are to contend for the faith. Jude also writes to these men that they became apostates. Now, what's an apostate? Well, they willfully turn from the truth. An apostate is one who knows the truth, but then denies that truth and teaches a false doctrine, a false truth. You read Romans chapter 1, you'll see there. But Jude is talking about this, these apostates, the, the age of apostasy. And uh, honestly, I, I kind of think we are in that time period um, where people who know the truth, but it doesn't matter, they, uh, they will turn away and teach something completely opposite. And so Jude writes uh, of these men, and God ordained their punishment that those who turn from God will not escape his righteous condemnation. Um, what are they, used to always hear this, the long, I can't, I'm trying to remember the way it was worded, the long uh, reach of the law, or how was that worded? The long arm of the law, that's what it was. And, and uh, you know, implying that, well, you're not going to, you may get away, you may run, but we're going to find you. Well, that's not always the case, is it, with our law, uh, because they're humans, they there sometimes they can get fooled. But uh, with God, nobody's getting away. Have you ever thought to yourself, well, especially recently in the past couple of years, those people are getting away with, I, I mean, murder in some cases. They were set free. That, that fellow, did you see this last week? The guy that come up behind this young man and clocked him right side of the head. He fell to the ground. He got a cracked skull and some other, he was in a, uh, an induced coma and he was out that night 
walking the streets again. Now, I think they did finally, somebody come to their senses and said, we've got to get him back in behind bars. And this, I can't remember. You know, it's one of those same stories we've been hearing. He's been arrested like umpteen times, and he's, uh, he was a sex offender, and all these things, and he's roaming free. But listen, and we may think they're getting away with it. And it may appear that way here. And they may, they may pull the wool over the eyes of all of the law around them. And we have some that are pulling the wool over their own eyes or just foolishly. But God, now, no one gets away with anything with God. The only way that you and I can escape the condemnation of God is how? Yeah, repent and get saved. Now, as a Christian, then we are safe with the Lord. He has given us eternal life. But other than that, boy, people have to pay for uh, their own sins if they do not receive Christ. So God ordained their punishment, and uh, they, and, and stating here, Jude is letting people know they're not going to get away with, um, away with what they're doing. Uh, they will not escape God's righteous condemnation. So to reinforce this point that Jude is trying to make, he brings up these examples, uh, these three examples that in which the ungodly did not escape God's righteous condemnation. In verses 5 through 7, we, t we, we see there he talks about Israel in the wilderness, and he talks about the angels who sinned, and then he talks about Sodom and Gomorrah. And so let's start with uh, the first one there, Israel in the wilderness in verse 5. Now, um, God's righteous condemnation is seen here. And, you know, the, the, the men, think about this. The nations that God used, pagan nations, to bring judgment upon Israel, well, listen, if they don't repent, they're, they're not getting away with it. They're going to pay heavily uh, for uh, their uh, sin, being willing to be used to uh, bring harm to God's people. So anyway, uh, the facts about this example are given here. A well-known event in Israel's history. We all know this. We've all heard the story. We've all watched Charlton Heston, right? Was that the guy who played Moses? And he came out and uh, brought his, the people out of Egypt. We've all read this story over and over again. It's very familiar to us. So it was with the readers of Jude's letter. These were very familiar stories. But Jude wants to remind them that, and I, I, maybe it was the fact that these people were discouraged because of the attacks, the persecution that was coming against the church, and, and it seemed like evil was, had the upper hand and it was prevailing. But Jude just reminded them, yes, there's apostates out there. Yes, there are those who are going to creep in unaware and try to destroy what God is, is doing. But don't worry, they're not getting away with it. There is going to be a payday someday. And, uh, they, and he gives these examples uh, to uh, support that, that truth. So uh, a well-known event, God saved the nation of Israel, brought them out of the land of Egypt, and yet despite their being recipients of his wonderful grace, what did so many of them do? Well, the nation of Israel, uh, they, uh, uh, they began to doubt. They began to uh, go back and worship other idols and and uh, uh, so God, what, what had happened was God destroyed those who did not believe. Now, uh, the, their lack of faith required that they wander through the wilderness for 40 years and that they not enter into the promised land. 
And so they, they all died off. Those that are under the age of 20, when they came out of Egypt, they all died except for two. Anybody remember who that was? Yeah, Joshua and Caleb. And so they, they, they are the only two that entered the promised land that were, uh, uh, originally came out of Egypt. And you can read about that in Numbers chapter 14. And he, in fact, even in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 3 talks about this event as well. For the sake of time, we're not going to go there tonight. So that's the facts about this example. He gives the example of the nation of Israel, uh, people that uh, turned against God, that did not believe, and they were not going to escape. They may have escaped Egypt. Can you imagine? They escaped that slavery. They, they escaped uh, the imprisonment they, they experienced there in Egypt, and yet so many of them were wanting to go back to Egypt. Oh, we had it made in Egypt, and they did not. It, it, isn't that an interesting fact, too, how many times people say, oh, the good old days. I miss those, and I know what they're talking about. There are, I say the same thing. But, um, you know, you hear some of these people talking about, oh, those good old days, and, and some, they weren't always so good. There were some rough things that they went through. And, but yet, sometimes we don't remember all of those details. And so here, they must have forgot about what they experienced. But here's the point. Here's what Jude was trying to bring out through this. God will destroy those that refuse to believe. Now, let me ask you, is God a loving God? Oh, obviously. Yes, without hesitation, we know that to be true. Is God a forgiving God? Yes, in all, all these ways. But let's not forget, God is a just God. God, the Bible even calls him a God of wrath at one point. Those that do not re receive his son, Jesus Christ, as their Savior, they will face the wrath. In fact, in John chapter 3, is it verse 36? If my memory, it's right there at the end of that chapter. Uh, he says, the wrath of God abideth on them now, those who believe not. Uh, or in another verse, it says they're condemned already. And that's also in John chapter 3. And maybe verse 18 or so. But, um, but here's the point. They, they uh, lack, the reason is, they refuse to believe they lack uh, a lack of obedience. They did not obey. God destroyed those who did not believe. There in verse 5, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. How important it is to believe, to put their faith in Christ. They could not enter in because of unbelief. Hebrews chapter 13 even brings that out a little bit clearer. And Hebrews 13, verses 18 and 19. But clearly the same issue at hand is unbelief. And that will result in judgment. Today, not the exact circumstances, obviously, but we were saved out of a, a, a lost condition, a slavery, slave to the taskmaster, the devil, we were saved from that life, and, and then, um, but those who do not believe in Christ, those who do not put their faith in Christ, will result in uh, experiencing the judgment of God. 
and what an awful experience that will be. We talked a little bit about that this morning, that great white throne. But this is not a warning to the readers here that uh, Jude was writing to, nor to us, that, that they were in danger of judgment because these are believers. Um, they, but that these ungodly men, those ones who crept in unaware, those ones who, uh, who are teaching false doctrine, there's no escaping God's righteous condemnation for them. I mean, uh, we, we need to understand that, by the way, we are not to tolerate false doctrine. We are not to uh, try to, like I mentioned this morning, people are always today, let's, let, can't we all just get along? Yes, we, we ought to strive to be at peace with one another for sure, everyone in the world. But we can't, when there are certain points that we ought to be willing to die for. And when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to Jesus Christ, these doctrines of salvation, there's no middle ground there. There's no room for negotiation. Then he mentions the next example in verse 6, the angels who sin. Um, now there's a, a lot there we could unpack today. Many people believe that when you die, you become an angel. I know, uh, what's that popular movie at Christmas time? It's a Wonderful Life, right? Clarence, the angel. And he died, and he's trying to get his wings. I know it makes a good story, but it's not biblical at all. Um, you don't, no one becomes an angel. They may have, you may even, even call them an angel on earth. Oh, they were so kind. They were so gracious. They were good. That may be all true, but they will never become an angel. An angel is an entirely different created being. And I don't want to be an angel. I, you and I, Christians, we've experienced the grace of God. And we've experienced so much as angels never will experience. And so uh, I just say, say that because here these angels were, had sinned. Now, what is it referring to here? Uh, very little is known from the scriptures themselves exactly what Jude is talking about. Uh, some believe, um, as described by Jude, they, these angels were kept not, they kept not their first estate, and they left their own habitation. In a similar passage there in Peter, Peter 2 Peter, uh, he simply writes that the angels sinned in 2 Peter 2, 4. The angels sinned. Now, there's several different interpretations here. Some say, well, that Jude is referring to what is described in Genesis chapter 6. Uh, verses 1 through 4, where the sons of God is understood there by some to refer to angels. Again, I'm not going to get into all that tonight. Uh, some, now, some believe this is referring to the fall of the angels, those that uh, followed Lucifer's rebellion in heaven and were kicked out of heaven. They sinned. Uh, again, I, I believe I kind of lean towards that, but it doesn't really matter. The point of Jude's inclusion of this example is not what they did, but in what God did. And that is the, the point here. So what is clear about these angels is their condemnation. Now, if the angels themselves, these created beings, Satan being uh, one of the highest angels at one point in heaven, Lucifer, and yet he rebelled, he sinned, he turned against God and was kicked out. And we uh, know that story quite well. But uh, again, none, no one is going to escape 
God's righteous condemnation. Here's what Peter says, and again, there in verse 4 of 2 Peter chapter 2. God cast them down to hell, delivered them into chains of darkness. Jude talks about that. To be reserved unto judgment. So they've not gotten away with anything. They, they will be condemned because of their choices. They uh, rebelled against God. The angels who sinned, again, not as important as what they did as what God did and is doing. So the point of the example, God is prepared to render everlasting punishment to all wicked, to all the wicked. He has the, uh, the angels in everlasting chains under darkness. There it says in verse 6, for the ungodly men, described later, verse, um, oh, try to find that here, and uh, verse 13, raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering uh, stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And, and so this is the ungodly men described later here. He has reserved the blackness of darkness forever. So just as he has placed, in fact, we are told in the scriptures that God created hell for the fallen angels, for Satan, for Lucifer. And, uh, but also, uh, he had a place prepared not only for these angels who sin, but also those who reject God will be sent to the same place. And a place that's prepared for the wicked and the unbelievers. If you would, you're not far from there. Look back in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8. Revelation 21 and verse 8. It says, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, this second death, can only be experienced by those who never have never had a second birth, have never been born again. And now you and I, if you're saved, we don't have to worry about that second death. Sometimes people get caught up on this. They're all liars. So if you ever told a lie, you're going to end up in the lake of fire. Is that right? No, it's not right. Uh, this is talking about the lifestyle, the habitual lifestyle of these individuals and who he, uh, uh, in fact, even murders. Did David murder somebody? He had him murdered. And um, so even murder itself is not going to send anyone to hell automatically. It's uh, if a person repents and turns to God, they can be saved regardless. I, I know uh, there is a point where people say, well, what about that sin? Is there a sin that a person can commit that God will never forgive? Now, some people believe there is. They call the unpardonable sin. We don't find that in scriptures. Um, in fact, we find the only unpardonable sin is what Jude is talking about here, people who reject the Lord Jesus Christ, the unbelievers. And those are the ones that will find their way in hell. And that's what it started off, these, the, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and so forth. Uh, and that second death, again, I emphasize, can only be experienced by those who've never had uh, the second birth, spiritual birth, they're born again. 
All right, then the third example. Look there at verse 7. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh, th these are subjects we're not supposed to talk about. Uh, I don't know, honestly, how uh, some of these churches who have accepted homosexuality into their church, even some preachers who are homosexual, how they deal with all these passages. Uh, maybe their version of the Bible has really, and I think it has, I know it has in many cases, I'm not sure about here, softened it up to where it doesn't really mean what it says here. Uh, that's the way they want to word it. But nonetheless, we know that's happening. But Sodom and Gomorrah, Jude's not going to, he's not worried about being politically correct. He's not worried about um, offending individuals. He's more concerned about being right biblically. Is it more of an offense if I call a person out on their sin, if I try to point out that the way that they are living is wrong and that they need to turn to Jesus Christ? It, yeah, they might get offended by the truth, but that's what they need to hear. Look, how many times have you ever been to a doctor and the doctor's told you something offensive? You're fat. You need to lose some weight. Now, that's pretty offensive, Doc. Come on, don't you? No. He said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned for you. You need to lose some weight. You need to do this. Or uh, they'll just tell you what the facts are. And so um, people don't need to be coddled and, and uh, to, uh, um, you know, brought to the place where they can feel comfortable in their sin. They need to know truth. So therefore, they can act upon that truth. But Jude, he, again, he's concerned about being biblically right. And so the facts of this example, the judgment against the cities is vividly described. In fact, let's turn back there to Genesis chapter 19. Look at verse 24. Genesis 19, verse 24. Genesis 19, verse 24. We'll read down through verse 28. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back, talking about Lot's wife, looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham sat up. Uh, or get up early in the morning in the place where he stood before the Lord. In verse 28, and he looked toward Sodom and, and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain and beheld, and lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. So this is where God is moving down upon them in judgment. This is the example that Jude is giving here of, what, uh, of Sodom and Gomorrah. So why this terrible judgment? Well, the Lord said in, in Genesis 18, verse 20, it's because their sin is very grievous, very grievous. And then Jude says that they had given themselves over to fornication. Now, that word fornication, maybe not a word that we use much now, but it, all it means is basically any sexual sin, any sin outside. Uh, are having that sexual relationship outside of marriage. That's fornication. It covers all of it, so it's a very general term. It covers it all. But anyway, he goes on a little further. He says, going after strange flesh. I think he's getting pretty clear there. Um, you know, the men after men, women after women. And we see a sample of that um, 
let's see. If, yeah, we, let's look back there again. I'm sorry. I should have had you stay there in Genesis 19. Look at verse, if you're still there, if you want to turn there, we'll try to give you a chance to catch up. Genesis 19, verse 4. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, come past the house uh, around, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. Now, remember, this, these angels uh, were sent into, into Sodom and Gomorrah to try to find, uh, to warn the people of this judgment. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? These, these two angels, where are these men? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. And yeah, that is talking about the biblical sense of knowing them. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold, now I have, now this is sad. I, I never can read this without just taking a breath. And say, How can a father come to this uh, a place where he says, behold, now I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you. And do ye to them as it is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. For therefore came they under the sh uh, shadow of my roof. And they said, stand back. And they said, again, this one fellow came in to sojourn, and he will needs be a judge. Talking about Lot, is he going to judge us? Now will uh, we deal worse with thee than with them. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. But the men put forth their hand, pulled Lot back into the house, verse 11, and they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, uh, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. Well, a, an awful scene in history here in Genesis chapter 19. But here we see that sample, uh, example, even in this story, of God judging these men right there on the spot. Now, later, it's, it's much worse. But uh, you can see how far down in the depravity these men were in Sodom and Gomorrah. That sin was grievous, it says in Genesis 18, grievous to the Lord. So what's the point here? Both Peter and Jude make the point that Sodom and Gomorrah are an example. They're an example to these people he writes to, to you and I. Um, Peter, an example unto those that, that after should live ungodly, 2 Peter 2, 6. So those that choose to live an ungodly way and practice ungodly things, there is a, a judgment coming for them. Jude, an example, he's, he's using this as an example of those who suffer the vengeance of eternal fire, as he uh, states there in verse 7. So God has given us example of the eternal fire that awaits the subjects of his righteous vengeance. I know um, God does love all people, but there comes a point. I don't, I don't know when that is. I think even in our lifetime, there are people who can cross that line, who, who can, uh, in Romans chapter 1, does, uh, talk about that, where God gave them up to a reprobate mind. Again, I am not saying that every individual that is living the wicked lifestyle is a reprobate, but they definitely have the characteristics of the reprobate mind in Romans chapter 1. It is opposite of what God wants. And so 
uh, I, and it's, it's difficult, I know, to talk about that, but Jude, he's dealing with it here, and he said, here's the example. They're not going to get away. Living this kind of way, there is a judgment coming. They need to put their faith in Christ. When will, when will the adults in the room stand up and say, no, you're a young man, you're a young lady? When will they say, no, you're not a cat, you're not a dog, you're not a donkey, uh, you know, whatever else they want to be? Uh, when will they just speak the truth? Well, we don't see that happening in our society. We are, are, we are, are coddling all of these strange ideas. And, but Jude makes it clear. They can live that way. They can choose to rebel and go against God's way. But there's an awful day coming unless they repent and get right with God. So let me conclude by saying we, we might be like these original recipients of Jude's letter here. We're well acquainted with these events. We've heard them numerous times through our lifetime. But Jude wanted to remind them and I think he wants to remind us as well. We need to be reminded often, remember Israel. Israel is an example of those who were destroyed by, for, for their lack of faith. They, they were not destroyed because they were rude and they were grumbling and complaining, but it was because of their unbelief. And, and I know it is very difficult at a funeral when you don't know that person, you don't know their faith. You, you know, you saw no examples of it. But, um, and, it, and it seems that every time there's a funeral, everybody is going to heaven is the way the message comes across. That's not the way the message comes across in the Bible. Only those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. Those who lack faith will be eternally punished in hell. Remember the angels, he says, those angels who sinned, they are an example to us. It tells us that God has a place prepared there for the wicked. Remember Solomon and Gomorrah as an example that God will not withhold the vengeance of eternal fire when the time is right. It shows more love if we do speak the truth. Um, tell people about Jesus. Tell them about the way to heaven rather than tell them what they're doing is okay and right. It is not. There is sin, and, and there is right, there is wrong. It's very, there are absolutes right here in this book. And so let's not be fooled by the liberals of our day who are trying to get us to um, become so tolerant and accepting of everything around us. Uh, yes, people are well, any, in fact, anyone is welcome to our church. I, I, I ask all the time. Um, you know, I, I brought people in here that have been drug addicts, and, and only the Lord knows all the situations. But uh, we care for them. We want to reach them. But we're not going to tell them that you continue to live the way you want, do whatever you, whatever you believe is okay. No, there's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. And that must be our message. It was the message Jude was giving. It was the warnings he was giving in these three examples and that God will deal with unbelief. And uh, it's, when we talk about hell, it's not a pretty picture. Well, let's go ahead and go to the